Well, good morning, Bethesda. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them it's a beautiful morning in the neighborhood. And they look great this morning. You know they've been waiting for you to say that, and you've been wanting it to. Oh, what a joy it is to be here in Fort Worth, Texas, the biggest, well, it was the biggest, but the second largest state. It's an honor. You all didn't even, you don't like being the second largest? <laughs> I'm sorry about that, but hey, that's pretty good recognition, don't you think? <laughs> okay, Longhorns. What, what, what a joy it is to, to be here, and I'm so privileged. I want to thank Pastor Dan for the privilege and opportunity to invite me to come and to be a part of your Sunday, a time to serve and to share from this pulpit, which I know that most pastors, having been one for 25 and a half years, you want to make sure that whoever stands behind the sacred desk is going to add value to the people of God. Amen. And that's what we want. We want to add value. We want to resource, and we certainly want to promote replication. There's got to be increased. There's got to be an expansion. If there's no increase in expansion, everything remains the same. And that's not what we're about, are we? So also, thank you, First Lady Becky, uh, for being welcome here to Bethesda. And I'm just amazed at the the grace that God has poured out upon this great ministry reach. Last night or yesterday, I had the opportunity to be with Feed by Grace, Brother David and Julie, who was so hospitable and gave me the opportunity to share in their banquet. But to go to the park and to see several hundred people out there who are unfortunate make up that poor group of our nation, that Jesus stated that the poor you'll have with you always. But to see that they are not alone, to see that ministry reaching out and touching lives the way it does is awesome. And then to come in and hear Bethesda Care reach out. 67 of you were involved in showing the love of Jesus to those who we have seen Jesus labeled as the least of these. You know, the awesome thing about the grace of God is that he has no respect of persons. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that God is the Lord of the harvest. And those that are separated and those that are hurting and downtrodden and defeated. You know, the world has a way of ripening the harvest so that we can go and reap it. And so in that context, it beat people up. It abuse and mistreat. But there's hope. There's hope when the body of Christ arises on the scene. It's like a hero coming to rescue those that are oppressed and abused. That's what it's all about. That's the heart of God. That's God's salvation plan. I call it the supernatural strategic plan of God. Salvation. And there are five key operatives that, that make up this great plan. And that is God the Father, who's the architect, God the Son, who's the life giver to it, God the Spirit, which is the source of power, the fueling agent to it, and then God the church, the saints, who are the laborers and the workers. And then there's the God of the harvest. These 
are those that are perishing, those that are hurting. And when we start from the top down and make it a pyramid effect, it appears that we know that God is at the top. But when you're strategically a part of something that is taking place, it's not what's at the top that is the key, the driving force. It is what at the base of that pyramid is the foundation for why the strategic plan was put together. That means the heart of God is in those who are perishing. So they're at the bottom. If there were no lost souls, no perishing souls separated from God, there would certainly be no need for the church. And if there was no need for the church, there certainly would be any need for the Holy Spirit. And if there was no need for the Holy Spirit, there would be no need for Jesus to have come, and certainly for God to have this architect, as we know it, the strategic plan of salvation. So what is essential, I'm convinced that God has placed upon my heart, is that I've got to play a role in mobilizing the saints to do the work of the ministry. So this mobilization, as I was sharing and talking with the Lord about it, God, what, exactly what, what is it? What are you looking for? Well, I was able to, to get some things done and, and some research because I wanted to make sure that I was connecting with God. Have you ever had that time where you just wanted to make sure that you were sure that you were hearing from God? And so you take a little extra time with him. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, making sure that you're on the same pathway. Well, that's what happened. And in that time, God led me to, to this great theme I like to focus on. And that is the pathway to the missional heart of God. What is the pathway to the missional heart of God? I'm convinced that when we look at the missional heart of God, we have to look at it through the Word of God, and that is we are helped by Second Peter chapter three verse nine, and that second half where Peter actually captured the heart of God. Now I know Bethesda, you're a great body. You are on fire for God. You're doing some great things. As I was just sitting this morning and and listening and David sharing, you are awesome. But think about this. In the context of everything, we can always go to the next level. We can always just go a little higher. We can always increase our input to get a greater output. Are you with me? And so when we then look at, at the heart of God and, and Peter and capturing it, it's it stated that God is willing that none perish kind of paraphrasing, that no one should perish. That's the heart of God. No one deserves to perish. Why? Because when you look at the term perish, it implies then that it's an eternal state of being forever and ever and ever without any hope, without any future, without any escape. And that's what's going to happen on this journey. There are two options, two pathways. The one pathway is eternal damnation in the lake of fire where one will spend eternity weeping and grinding their teeth. That's the only relief that they will have. And the second pathway is eternal life. But Jesus Christ, that there will be his appearing and a great transformation. And when we see him, we will be like him. And we will enter into our complete salvation 
with new glorified bodies. And we'll occupy the new earth, the very essence of the kingdom of God itself. And forever we will be with him. We will be singing praises as you heard this great choir and, 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 and praise team. Wasn't that awesome? Can you imagine that that day that the choirs will be singing and we will be rejoicing because we will have made it. Oh, give God the praise. That's what we live for. That's who we are. We live for the future because we know the great expectations that are there for us. We have hope. And in that hope, we have joy and peace. And so we see then that as we look at the pathway to the mission of heart of God, that it culminates with John 3.16. For God so the that he his that who would believe would not would not so who is Jesus? Jesus is the antidote for perishing. He's the inoculation that we need. And so when Jesus, who is God's son, played his role in God's strategic supernatural plan of salvation, the doors were open for humanity to be rescued. Therefore, Jesus is our superhero. We, we've got the greatest hero that ever lived and ever existed. It is Jesus. He rescued us. He snatched us out of the hands of the enemy. And not only did he do that, he took us to the place where we're seated in heavenly places in him. And he's given us great and precious promises. He's given us an inheritance God has. And, and we are heirs and John heirs through Christ. Our names are written in glory. Oh, come on, we, we, we got it going on. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got it made. You've got it made. And if that wasn't enough, now how is God working through the redeemed, through the reconciled? God, the church. How's he doing that? What is he doing? You see, if revival is going to come to the land, it will be through the mobilization of the saints. Who we see and seek, when we see and seek the missional heart of God, we will be mobilized to be different makers. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. <laughs> now the key is, is that we've got to live bold. We've got to live bold. This is not an easy journey. We're in a war. When you became a child of God, you entered and automatically signed up for warfare. How many of you have been woozed, bruised, and contused since you've been a Christian? <laughs> well, if you live long enough, you're going to get some more of it. But that's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. I can deal with that. Because greater is he that is than he that is. Give a high five and say, you got it made. Listen, so that's, that's light stuff. Why is it light stuff? Because if greater is he, talking about the Holy Spirit, that's in us, and if he's in us, that means that we are superior. That's why we say supernatural. We are superior to the natural. 
So the natural things don't matter anymore. Look at your neighbor and say, did you get that one? <laughs> the natural things don't matter anymore. Why? Because we're superior to the natural things. That means if we're superior to them, then we are greater than they are through God who is great in us. Oh, come on. Don't let yourself become sidetracked and distracted as a result of Satan. See, he wants to confuse us. He wants us to get a crisis of identity going on. You heard of an identity crisis? If he can get us confused, we won't know who we are and to whom we belong and all the benefits and assets that we have. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a liar. Listen, the, the key to live bold, there are three key words in the verse. Now, when we look at this, we look at it in the context of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That particular verse of Scripture is imperative because God himself in this captured Jesus in this writing, Jesus is speaking in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the come on oh you ought to you ought to say something about that you just shake yourself a little bit all that power you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come on you and you will be my and where and where and where and where look at your name and say that's who i am you see, the beauty of this verse is awesome since we are talking about God the church, God the saints. We're the laborers. We're the warriors. We've got this great message. We've got good news. We, an extension of Jesus who rescued us, who's our superhero, then that means that we need to become superheroes rescuing other people. The rescue now becomes rescuers. Are you with me? Look at your neighbors. Said, "Who have you rescued lately?" You, yeah, amen. Come on now, walk with me. Walk with me. Now, what is the purpose of power? Why, why do we need power? The children of God's role in God's supernatural strategic plan of salvation requires that we be spiritually empowered. Because the assignment cannot be accomplished in our natural strength and the power of men. It is a spiritual war that requires supernatural power to overcome the power of the enemies. If God be for me, because I've got power. Don't be ashamed to confess it. I've got power. I've got authority. I've got permission to use the name of Jesus. And when we operate in that authority and that power, something good is always going to happen. Why? Because wherever Jesus went, something good always happened. Listen, in Luke's gospel, chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2, it states that when Jesus has called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority 
to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. That's who we are. We are part of the church. We are part of the extension of God's kingdom. We are his disciples. And that transcends to his church because the church has the heart of God. We too are willing that none. We're willing that none. And so because we are willing that none perish, we know that we need the power and authority to do the work of the ministry. And in verse 2 of that chapter, Luke 9, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Think about this. That's who we are. We, we are working for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're his laborers. We're his messengers. That means we believe in him. We believe in him so much so that we are not ashamed of him. And because we are not ashamed of him, it means that we are bold and courageous, which means and implies that we are living a life that is wrapped up because of who we are and to whom we belong to the extent that we uh, acting out and practicing what we believe. You see, to be thoroughly absorbed by or involved with your values of who you are in Christ and what he's done for us, we are dedicated and committed. It means that we live and exist and have our being anchored in the belief and the committed heart of God himself. And then we are bold about it. Bold means not to be afraid of danger or difficult situations having confidence, courage, and assurance to engage without fear or trepidation. Look at your neighbor and say, that's truly me now. No fear. No fear. No fear. Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Look, look, look how he's encouraging us. Look how he's informing us and educating us so that we can go to the next level. He's not leaving us out here hanging. He's not putting us in a place where we can't make it, where we can't shine like the stars that he's called us to be. You see, the Holy Spirit dwells in the believer to equip and enable the child of God to carry out his or her missional assignment. All of us are on assignment. We are all missionaries. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad to know you as a missionary. Why? Because we're on the same mission that God is, that none perish. In the time sequence of God's salvation plan, it is time to fish for souls. When Jesus went and began to call his ministry team together, he, he went by the seashore and he said, come, follow me. And what did he say? Make you fishers of who? Don't you just love fishing for humans? You know, when you cast your rod out there, now the key to catching a fish, and a human fish in particular, is that you got to know something about them so you can have the right lure that will attract them. And if you attach the right lure to your rod, when you cast it out, you're going to bring in the fish. What does that mean? That means you've got to know those that you're going after. It means that you've got to care. You've got to show love. You've got to extend yourself. You have got to be in their presence. 
You've got to demonstrate the confident assurance of you and your relationship with God. You've got to go and meet a need. In other words, you've, when you feel with the Holy Spirit, you become a person full of compassion. And what does compassion look like? When you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, compassion is the deepest, most powerful demonstration greater than empathy and sympathy. It goes down to the very depths of your bowels. It impacts the total innermost part of your being. Jesus demonstrated Matthew 9, 36. He looked upon the people and he was filled the mood with compassion, which means that it, it, it penetrated him to the depths of his total being. And when you're moved with compassion to the depths of your bowels, it implies that you're going to go into action. You can't contain yourself. To alleviate and meet that need so those people can be rescued. Are you with me? When the church, the body of Christ is moved with compassion, it goes to the next level. And when we go to the next level, we begin to make a difference. We become world changers. And we, more than anything else, become a hero to those that were in need. You know, people need a hero. They need somebody to come along full of compassion to help them overcome their oppression. And Jesus said unto his disciples in Matthew 9, 37, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Remember, this is clear. Jesus instructed the disciples to pray for laborers. Laborers, not members. Not members. Why? Because members are looking at what's in it for them. It's a little selfishness. But laborers are looking at what's in it for them. What's in it for those that are out there that's hurting, that's blind, that's lost, that's perishing. That's the heart of God. And that's the heart of the disciples. What and how do we become fishers of men? We fish for souls. Are the laborers who reap the Lord's harvest. We're committed to the cause of Christ. We're committed to the strategic, supernatural plan of God. Jesus again in his great word in Matthew 6, 15, 20, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We don't want anyone condemned. Our heart is that every person is essential to the kingdom of God. Everyone is important. Everyone is significant. And everyone is a blessing. And because we have the heart of God that none perish, that's inclusive of everyone, we're going to do all that we can to make sure that it happens. Then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the earth. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them. Rulers and elders of the people, we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Listen at this, Peter. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given unto mankind by which we must be saved. And here's the response. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You're talking about boldness. You're talking about courage. Folks, when we spend time with Jesus, when we spend time in our, our prayer time and, and our devotional time, and, and when we come and we minister to by the, the pastor and the staff that enables us to anchor ourselves to Jesus, there's something about holy boldness. You know, it was the boldness and power of Peter and John that caused the rulers to recognize them. The rulers had witnessed the same boldness and power in Jesus. And now it was boldness and power that identified these two men as having been with Jesus. The boldness and power were not due to education and learning. It was due to their having been with Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, when was the last time you spent some time with Jesus? Think about that. You saw the, the video. What was going through your mind when you were being challenged just by those words flashing before you? Encouraging and showing us who we are that we might take the bold step to be the witnesses that God has called us to be. The clear evidence that a person has been with Jesus is boldness and power. The man, the man that was made whole stood before the court of the world. Therefore, the world was silenced. The enemies of Christ could not refute the claim, for the claim was not profession only. The claim was backed up by the evidence of a miracle, of a changed life. A man was made whole. Let me tell you how we can have the boldness and the courage. Every one of us who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior and been filled with His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We are a miracle. You are a miracle. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a living miracle. The greatest change in a person's life is to turn away from the life of sin and darkness and turn to Jesus. That's a miracle. None of us have seen God. None of us have seen Jesus. But by faith, we believe enough to change. And look at us now. We've got a hope. We've got a future. We've got confidence. We've got assurance. We know that our Redeemer liveth because he lives in us. We can sing and praise and celebrate. We can be bold and courageous because if God be for us, who can be against us? We can quote the Scriptures. 
No weapon formed against us will prosper. Oh, they are formed, but they are not going to prosper. In other words, when we know that we are God's children, when we are confident of the faith that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are sure that Jesus is our superhero, that he, he bled on Calvary's cross, he rose up after giving his life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We live to live again. We've got a vision. We've got a future. We've got a hope that's eternal. That's good news. That's joy. That's peace. That's victory. Every virtue of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and long-suffering, they become our values. And we've been transformed. As a result of those virtues and the values that we've now adopted. And so we have the heart. We see what the Father sees. Let me tell you, what you see, you will seek. Are you with me? What you see, you will seek. And that's why Jesus came in when he was challenged by the rich young ruler. You know, what does it take to receive eternal life? Jesus responded, well, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbors yourself. But then he says, and he taught, that we must first seek the kingdom of God in all his righteousness. First. 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 Are you with me? First. Because if you seek the kingdom of God first... It is going to transform you. What you seek first and what controls you is going to order and direct you and take power over who you are. It's going to order your life. Are you with me? What you seek for, you hunger for it. You thirst for it. And as a result, you become driven by that. First seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything will be added to you. You can't get any better than that. I want to share an ending a story with you about one of my heroes. A hero that I appreciate in the terms of this story. You see, just give you a little the pre-insight to this story is that when you seek after what you desire, nothing can stop you. When we become committed and dedicated to the heart of God, to seeking those that are lost and perishing, nothing will stop us. And the reason is, is because we know that Scripture says that he that wins his souls is wise. Lay up your treasures in heaven. When we honor God by seeking first his kingdom and all his righteousness, we're going to obey him in every facet. Are you with me? We are going to want to bring others with us into his kingdom. As a matter of fact, we get so excited and bold and courageous, we begin to tell people, hey, my hero is Jesus. My best friend. Could I take a minute to tell you about my best friend? Oh, his name is Jesus. 
You, you won't believe what he's done for me. Man, he has set me up. You know, I got so much stuff going for me as a result of my best friend. I've got to tell you about it. Has Jesus become your best friend? Have you locked into him? Are you seeking first him through the kingdom of God? Well, let me tell you about my friend, my hero. This story is about the visionary mule. He's my hero, a mule. I know you're wondering, how can a mule possibly be a hero? Well, let me tell you. This mule had a vision. He had an expected desired outcome. That his end was going to be better than his beginning. So he had the end in mind. Can we get the end in mind? Or what is going to be like that day when we look upon his face when the trumpet sound and the voice of the archangel cry? Well, this hero, this visionary mule, had worked for many years plying the fields of his owner. Oh, this old mule got up early in the morning. He sat calm while the farmer would put the harness and the ply attachments to him. And every morning he would go out faithfully and he would ply all day long. But he had discovered something unique that in one corner of the pasture there was a large oak tree, a big oak tree. And in that place there was always beautiful green grass to graze on. And there was a wonderful, beautiful breeze that would come through. And he envisioned that one day he was going to live out the rest of his life under that big oak tree, grazing on the greenest grass and feeling that breeze. Because that's where he felt his values were. And so as the time passed and it came close to his ending his career, looking for retirement, the old farmer came up and had other plans. And in those plans that the farmer had, it was that he's finished, he can't do any more. Technology has come on the scene. He's got an old tractor and he looked at the old mule and said, you've served me well and, and, and I don't need you anymore. So he took a shotgun and he came out to the old mule and confronted him. And he held it up. He was going to shoot him in the head and kill him and end his life. But as he looked at the eyes of the mule and, and he realized that this mule has served me well over the years. I can't kill him like this. And so he put the shotgun down and he had an old dry well that was several feet deep. And he took the old mule and he pushed him into that dry well. You see, when you got a clear vision from God, that one day we're going to be in the kingdom of God. 
And we're going to celebrate our new fine home eternally. When we have that vision that we must have the heart of God, nothing is going to stop us. So this old mule, what happened is that the farmer decided that what I need to do is I'm going to dump all the trash on him and I'll bury him and he'll eventually die and I won't have to look at his eyes. I won't have to look at his face because he'll be out of sight. He's in the hole. And so the first day he came and he dumped a lot of garbage on the old mule. But the old mule had courage and he had boldness. It's just like life. It's not fair. But God is good, and that's what makes it worth the living. And so this old farmer, when he dumped the trash and garbage on the old mule, the old mule just shook it off and stepped up and went a little higher. The story is it's the same with us. You're going to have a lot of garbage dumped on you in this world that is evil and dark. But because we have the heart of our Father, we're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. We're not going to sit and give up. We, too, are just going to shake it off, step up, and go a little higher. And when we're it, shaking it off and going a little higher, it's always some more garbage. More garbage. It comes, and again, the farmer came and dumped some more stuff on him. Sometimes it's painful. It's heavy. You can't understand it, but it keeps coming. Well, this old mule, when he got dumped on again, he shook it off, stepped up, and went a little higher. Several times this act was repeated and repeated. He never allowed the garbage to sit on him, to weigh him down. To make him complain and murmur, he just shook it off, stepped up, and went a little higher. And so one day, finally, old farmer who wouldn't look in the well because he didn't have the heart to face him, dumped a truckload of garbage on him. Well, I want you to know something. This visionary mule shook it off, stepped up, went a little higher stepped out and went to the old oak tree and began to graze and feel the beautiful breeze of the air. Folks, if we as Christians, we need to let his heroic behavior become our behavior. We've got to begin to stand bold and courageous when troubles and trials come our way. We've got to shake it off knowing that this is going to make us stronger because we are committed to the vision. We are committed to the heart of God. We are determined. We are driven. We are not going to quit because we know that greater is our God and great is he to be praised. We know that we've been assigned and we committed to fulfill his purpose in our lives. So when the devil and the world and the flesh begins to start shaking junk on you, I want you to think about the, your hero, that old mule. Just shake it off, step up, and go a little higher. Every, every opportunity has to be seized by the saints of God. Every opportunity is a privilege because we've got our sights fixed on Jesus and because we know he's the author and the finisher of our faith. 
Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we're not going to quit. We're going to stay in the race. We're going to finish our course. We're going to be like the Apostle Paul. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But while I live, I'm going to live as a bold, courageous soldier in the army of the Lord. I know how to shake it off and step up and go a little higher. I don't care what the world throws at me because my name is written in glory and it can't be taken out. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and that means I'm the property of God and if God is my owner and he is the true and faithful God and I'm his property. I can say it is well, it is well with my soul. I can say that I'm not going to quit because I know without a reason that the joy the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to do all things. I say all things to his glory. I'm a winner. I'm a winner in Jesus. I'm not a loser. I've got faith. You see, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Don't mess with me because if you do, I'm going to shake you off. I'm going to step up and just go a little higher. I tell you, I got my eyes. They are fixed on Jesus. I said, Jesus, Jesus. Sometimes when the times get and they get rough all you have to do is spend a little time with my Jesus oh my God with my Jesus don't you want to feel him don't you want to touch Jesus I say his name is Jesus I say he's the bright and morning star he's the lily of the valley he's your rose of Sharon he's a wheel in the middle of the wheel He's your hope. He's your future. He's your king. I said, he's your king. Jesus. Jesus. There's something about that name. Jesus. Oh, my God. When it looks so bleak and darkness set in, just said, Jesus. He's the bright and morning star. Jesus. He's my hope in the midst of darkness Jesus he's the light of the world and when I call Jesus 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 something good is going to happen won't you just call his name just a little bit this morning can you say Jesus can you say Jesus can you say Jesus Jesus Oh, we love that name. The name that's above every name. The miracle working name. I want to challenge you. When you're going through the valley of the shadows of death, don't despise those opportunities. Just shake them off. Step up and go a little higher. 
Because when the trumpet sounds and the voice of the archangel cry and Jesus break the sky, you'll be caught up. You'll be caught up. You'll be caught up. Caught up. To meet him in the air. Come on and give God the praise. Come on and give God the praise. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. He's a good God. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Come on and give him praise. We are mobilized. We are ready to do the work of the ministry. We too have the heart of God that none perish, that none perish, that none perish. Oh, praise Him. Come on, saints. Let's get the breakthrough. Let's get the breakthrough. We're not going to be those 20%ers or those 2.5%ers. I challenge you. Bethesda, you've got a great foundation. Let's take it to the next level. We need more than 67 of you out next time in Bethesda care. We need all of you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. And he's talking about me. Listen, our boldness increase the more we give of ourselves. Our blessings magnify the more we give of ourselves. There are too many people hurting. There are too many people in bondage. And they need a rescue. And why not you? Why not you? Listen, while you're standing, just focus on, on who you are in Christ. You're a child of God. He loves you. He believes in you. He's invested in you. He, he's waiting on you through your city. He's waiting on you through those that are oppressed and abused and mistreated. He's waiting on you. It's a great ministry here. I pray that none of you would pass up this great platform of opportunity that God has given you through Bethesda. Expand your reach. In your families, you've got unsaved loved ones. In the community, you've got unsaved people. In the workplace, the marketplace. You're the only light that's available for them. Folks, we're going to have a tear rejoicing like never before when Jesus comes. Don't leave them behind. Don't leave them behind. Go for them. Live boldly. Those of you who may be here today that don't know Jesus, the pastor's going to come and he's going to lead you, challenge you. Maybe there's some of you that need prayer and you just want to increase your commitment. In closing, I, I want you to just repeat by your heads and just repeat after me briefly. Repeat these words. Dear God, I stand before you in the name of Jesus. And I covenant with you that I will not be ashamed of the gospel. For I know it's your power unto salvation. I covenant today that I too 
will have your heart that none perish. God, I covenant that I will fix my eyes on Jesus and that I will seek first your kingdom and all your righteousness. I covenant today, Father, that every door of opportunity you open for me, I will boldly enter into it. I covenant today that I will be a supernatural empowered witness of Jesus who is my hero and my friend. This I covenant in Jesus' name. Now maybe some of you would like to seal that covenant prayer with your prayers while Pastor Carmen. Let your hearts be open. Folks, we need warriors on the battlefield. We need fighters. That means you. Look at your neighbor and say, will you respond and answer?